Are you a clinician in primary care who wishes there were better resources to help you understand how to navigate the concept of triage in modern general practice? We'll boost your triage skills with our dynamic five-session live webinar course tailored for primary care clinicians. Led by myself and Dr. Ed Pooley from Difficult Conversations, this comprehensive training covers all facets of remote patient triage, whether that be digital, on-call, or other opportunities. Through this course, you'll gain practical knowledge, exclusive hints and tips, and direct access to myself and Ed through open Q&A sessions of the course. Elevate your ability to manage primary care challenges effectively and confidently, and most importantly, safely. Register now to transform your triage approach at bit.ly slash GP triage course for GP in capitals. We will definitely catch you then. Health inequalities are a growing challenge when it comes to primary care and general practice and basically every aspect of health in its totality. Well, in this episode, we're reviewing a document created by Healthwatch England that looks at some of the challenges that exist when it comes to health inequalities and their recommendations that they have to try and change that as we try and tech enhance your primary care and learning. Shall we crack on? As you learn as well for this episode, where we're going to be looking at the Health Watch recent documentation and information that they've provided about tackling health inequalities for our population. Have you had a look at it, Andy? Yeah, so this is interesting. So this came up in what what might be a few weeks ago for um, some of those people watching, but for us it was just a few moments ago. Um, mm-hmm. There was a breaking story in Pulse uh, which said that Health Watch are recommending that GP practices prescribe over-the-counter medicines for uh, vulnerable groups and uh, people at socioeconomic disadvantage. And and we were observing when we were talking about that, that this runs contrary to what we have been, as GP practice, asked to do for many years, which is avoid prescribing um, medications that patients can just walk into a pharmacy um, or often a supermarket and buy off the shelves uh, because... um, it had been deemed that that wasn't the best use of system resources for people to have to sit through what might be a 10 minute GP consultation, uh, quite a high cost to the system to be Mm. prescribed, uh, you know, 16 P's worth of, of paracetamol is an extreme example. Uh, You know, there are other things which have a cost closer to that of a prescription. And the reason that um, people might choose to do that, because that sounds quite, um, inconvenient rather than just walking in and buying them with your own money is that some people are at such a a level of socioeconomic disadvantage that they um, would rather do that or are only able to do that rather than actually pay the full cost of the medicine if they went into uh, the pharmacy or the supermarket because Mm -hmm. by going to a health professional they would get that on prescription which because of their socioeconomic status or, or other status would mean they got that for free from the pharmacy. Um, so, so it was interesting. So it kind of caused a few waves um, seeing that story. So, and that was in response to this report from Healthwatch. So we thought that we would have a closer look at the report. Yep. So, and just so to be clear, this are. is a recommendation. This is not policy. So for those people, just to make that clarity um, in terms of obviously we cover a lot of things that are either plans, recommendations, policies and stuff. This is a recommendation. This is not a policy um, currently. It may be. We don't know. But time will tell. But definitely, let's have a little look at the um, report itself. It, it's relatively short compared to some of the more standard things that we look at from, I guess, things like NHS England and stuff. It's basically a web page and a PowerPoint. Um, but talk us through that first paragraph there, Andy. 
Yeah, so so basically um, they're acknowledging that they have heard as Health Watch, so they are the patient advocacy group um, mm-hmm. within the country within the NHS, um, uh, and they have obviously noticed that the um, and heard from patients that the cost of living crisis is having an effect on how they choose or can access various um, healthcare services. And it's not just about um, general practice and prescriptions in this report. So they have done um, a uh, survey um, which has reached 2,000 or contains the uh, responses from 2,000 adults in England. And they've actually asked them sort of four times over the course of um, between October 2022 and March 2023. And then they have published these results uh, recently asking about a number of things from you know going to the dentist to uh, how they buy and access medication and access to GP appointment how they travel to NHS appointments um, mm-hmm. so uh, it's an interesting study actually um, I think it's good to maybe next look at the um, some of the data that they presented in their slide yep. pack um, and then maybe come to their conclusions so just as we do that um Let's get this in in full view for everybody. There we go. Hopefully people can see that really nicely on the screen now. Um, so again, they're just they're talking about why they've done um, the, the study on what they're focusing on, um, talking about how and when they asked people. So yeah, let's dive in and look at some of these graphs. Um, so what they've done here, so just to understand the graph, is uh, they have asked people a number of sort of difficult, you know, questions about difficult choices that they might have had to make about their healthcare um, here, represented by each mini graph, and then it's broken down by all. So dark blue is the average population; those on means-tested benefits are represented by the pink, and those on disability benefits are represented by the green. And they ask, you know, I have I have avoided taking up one or more NHS prescriptions because of the cost. So, and it's higher for these mm-hmm. groups in receipt of benefits. Um, I have avoided attending an NHS appointment because I couldn't afford to travel to the appointment. You know, 17% of people on disability benefits have given Healthwatch that response, which is a lot, actually. That, mm-hmm. That's surprising to me. Um, I've avoided buying over-the-counter medication I normally rely on. That's quite high. And I, I do think this might be where they're drawing that recommendation yep. that they're from their data from about um, GP practices should provide this medication uh, to patients on prescription. I've avoided booking an NHS appointment because I could, couldn't could afford the associated costs. So that's just the point, the, you know, the cost of the telephone call, for example. Um, and interestingly, that, that is much higher in these populations receiving benefits, 6% for the general population and 17% for disability benefits, 20% for means-tested benefits. And then um, the other noteworthy response they got was, you know, I have avoided going to the dentist because of the cost of checkups and treatment. And that's actually mm-hmm. the, the highest thing that people have been avoiding. Uh, 22% disability benefits, 20% means-tested benefits, 15% of the general population um, yeah. actually avoiding going to the dentist because of the cost, which... Um, is a big issue, you know, and is talked about a lot. Um, I think the interesting thing with that one as well, Andy, it, it's not only the highest for all of them, it's double for, for the average population individual. Mm. So 15%, the next closest one is 7%, which is the eye of avoided buying medications over the counter and stuff. So, you know, that's clearly an issue for many of our pop- many of the population in terms of accessing dental health care and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this graph was a little bit difficult to, to to understand. And actually, the table, I think, is better. Um, so 
uh, asks um, essentially those questions and it breaks it down by the average for the whole sample those on benefits and and then also breaks it down by age categories and actually we mm. see that it's actually um younger people who are making these or choosing to make or are forced to make these difficult choices compared to um to older people and that might say something about how people prioritize their health mm-hmm. in the different areas as well as their means to support their health and also perhaps how busy they are because you know money is a cost to accessing healthcare but so is time because yep. it can take time to engage with the systems to get appointments you know particularly gp um appointments you know i'm sure we would admit at the moment so that's really interesting anything jump out at you from these statistics gandhi no like you said andy you know there's definitely a variation across the age um i guess um financial status has an impact so obviously the people on disabilities they seem to um have a, a more challenging journey there but also the, those means tested are similarly quite high compared to the average population as well so it does show that socioeconomic status has an impact in these kind of variables and stuff doesn't it it certainly does so um uh, and, and that it's a very short powerpoint presentation for completeness sake they're just saying um you know the all of the questions that they've asked not just those that they've chosen to focus on um with in within the graphs so yeah. that's just there for completeness sake and there's some details about how to contact them um about it and i'm sure we'll have uh the link in the show notes we below will. so really um interesting report um if we just go back to the the web page, you know, we can see what conclusions they drew from the report and then their recommendations. And then I guess at the end, we can both speak to that recommendation, which was to general practice about prescribing mm-hmm. to uh, vulnerable people, uh, providing prescriptions for over-the-counter medicines. Um, so they um, highlight that uh, the financial burden is really weighing heavily on those choices in particular groups. Um, just like we picked out from the data, really, they're talking about people on disability benefits, means-tested benefits, and particularly younger people, um, aged 18 to 24, increasingly making those difficult choices. Um, And they've picked out those areas which basically had the highest response for making difficult choices. Uh, So people on disability benefits are twice as likely to have avoided their usual over-the-counter medication than the general population, uh, 15 compared to 7%. One in five, 20% of people on means-tested benefits have avoided booking NHS appointment because of the associated cost. And, you know, that's not, they asked about transport separately. You know, that's like the cost of the telephone call yeah. or the access, you know, or the cost of accessing the service. And then they're highlighting that young people, 18 to 24, twice as likely to avoid an NHS appointment due to travel costs. Um, interestingly, you know, younger people are much less likely to drive these days compared to older population and compared to that age category previously um mm-hmm. so they're increasingly re- reliant on public transport uh, and taxis i guess and then just on average one in five people from each group avoided the dentist because of the related cost and it was 15 percent, if we recall for the general population which was pretty high really yeah uh, and then they talk about the tangible actions so um they set out immediate tangible actions. So these aren't things that people need to do. They don't have that power, uh, but they can sort of set out um, recommendations. And these are those that they make. Prescriptions, guidance guidance should encourage GPs to offer people over-the-counter medications on prescription based on socioeconomic 
grounds. I mean, shall we just talk about that, Gandhi? Um, what do so you think about that, that one, actually? Because that's probably the, the one that's... We'll end on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the most controversial for us, um, yes. I think. Um, they're talking about a, a review of, um, of supporting people in terms of their travel and reimbursing mm-hmm. people for journeys to and from um, appointments to GPs, dentists, hospitals. Um, use of free phone numbers for NHS services. Um, that's interesting. I mean, our practice number isn't a free phone number. Um, it's a it's a local rate number. There there was a time, wasn't there, where people used to use these sort of 0845 numbers that had quite mm-hmm. high costs in general practice and in services, and that was done away with. Um, and they're talking about um, introducing free phone numbers um, mm-hmm. and uh, talking about uh, changes to the uh, the benefit uh, system around the length of statutory sick pay. Um, and so forth and then interesting just given that we've also recently done an episode on um, digital health inequalities which I'm sure will be linked to somewhere I'm not quite sure in what order the episodes are going out actually at this stage so it may or may may not have already landed Um, uh, but they're talking about um, access to broadband and I think that'll be due to that question they asked about people struggling with the cost of accessing things you know and, and actually broadband and internet is part of the cost of accessing uh, some services or at least in some of the ways they're encouraged to do yeah. so um so they're talking about uh support with broadband cost um essentially um do you want to double that back to prescriptions then gandhi because i've been dying to know your thoughts on this one do you want to know how to use system one more effectively as a clinician there are various different things you can look at but there is only one course that can help you understand this and have all my hints and tips on how to use System 1 so much more effectively. And that's the System 1 course for clinicians. If you want to have a look at it, have a look bit.ly slash TPP S1 course, TPP and S1 in capitals. But if you do have a look at it, what will you get? Well, you'll get content and information and guides on how to use System 1 more effectively, from getting started with System 1 to navigating the patient record to understanding the key parts like doing a consultation as well as prescribing, clinical admin, communication and various other information and this includes my hints and tips on how to use System 1 so much more effectively so it saves you time and your patients stress in terms of their navigation with their patient journey. If you want to have a look at it, check out the link. As I said, it's bit.ly slash tpp. S1 course and the TPP and S1 are all in capitals and you will get access to all this content perfectly. Even better yet, there's a money back guarantee. So if you don't actually find this course has helped save you some time, just let me know. I'll refund you the course once you've completed it and stuff. Catch you then. So uh, I think it's a challenging one because it's a double-edged sword. Um, And why do I say that? Well, you know, there are definitely patients out there that struggle to afford their health care and by not having their medications that can impact their journey, their health, and obviously the the impact that has on the wider system. You know, for example, if that person was a carer for another individual and they can't then be a carer because they're feeling unwell and they can't get access to medications, that's clearly uh, an issue. Does not having access to those medications impact their health further? So I've had situations, for example, where patients haven't paid for their inhalers because they can't afford them. And actually, then that leads to a hospital admission, which is considerably more expensive to the system than the cost of that individual inhaler, for example. Mm. Yeah. But 
and the bit I don't know from the Health Watch analysis of this, has that also factored in the cost of what they're suggesting to the system itself? And why do I say that? Well, like you mentioned, if you were to take a, a key example, uh, a patient attending the practice asking for a prescription for paracetamol for a self-limiting condition that has temporarily made them feel really unwell, but because then they can't, they don't want to, or they can't afford the cost of that paracetamol, they've used a GP appointment. Now, GP appointments are free at the point of access, but it still has a cost to the system. The process of going to the pharmacy to then have that prescription processed has a cost to the system. And that whole journey is approximately 30 to 50 pounds minimum to the system. So it has a cost. And how does that cost factor into those other aspects of things? And the other thing, by going to the, the practice to access that, as clinicians, we still have to evaluate the, the issue. We have to process that in terms of their other health problems. Is that medication safe for them to be prescribed appropriately? And what dosage? All those things factor into it. So it's using clinician time that is then not available for somebody else because the reality is we are in a system which has capacity challenges, has demand challenges. So it's then taking up those resources for something that could be done through self-limiting, but for a proportion of people, they can't afford it. It's a really challenging thing. And then the obvious question then comes, where on that scale of deprivation do you put the line that says you can, you can't? That's really problematic. And for me, that's the biggest issue because that if that's delegated down to the clinicians to make those decisions, everybody will make a different decision in a different situation with the same patient. And therefore, it becomes really complicated and you introduce bias, you introduce mm -hmm. you know, conflict, you introduce problems. It's just so... Oh, it, it, it's in some ways it's it's quite intimidating to be honest to consider it yeah i, I agree with everything you've said gandhi you, you've outlined particularly that kind of um uh, econ medical economic you know issue of is this the most impactful use of um healthcare resources and and time you know and actually would there be some negative consequences of actually going with this in terms of other people not receiving the care that can only be delivered by their gp practice um mm -hmm. because other people are using it for care that they can get else else elsewhere so i think that's really really um astute and really really important i suppose the further points i would make is you know the, the word gu guidance should encourage and there's something about reducing variability here, I think, for me, because even within the practice, you know, our GPs will have slightly different attitudes to this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are some GPs who are very hardline and they say, no, you know, I will not prescribe you something that's available over the counter. And there are some GPs in some circumstances, you know, who will do it. Um, and we sometimes have conversations about when we do it and when we don't. And in the absence of, you know, guidance, it's left down to individual GPs. So actually, there might be some people at some practices with some doctors who get a different experience and outcome to other people, other GPs, other doctors. And, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe we accept that that's just part of the system or maybe that's wrong you know, and represents a bit mm -hmm. of a post postcode lottery. And I can see how, you know, guidance might help with that, even if the guidance is never do it, uh, you know, which it sort of has been leaning towards in the past few years. The other side of this um, is, um, and I'm, Gandhi, Phil, let my wheels turn for a second. I had something important to say, but tell, tell, tell me something on your mind while, I, while my wheels turn. <laughs> Well, I think the other aspects, so we talked about the transport aspect. So although we focus on the prescription one, I think also bearing in mind, it does mention about access to 
um, um, GP practices and health, other healthcare appointments through support for transport costs. Now, it's important to note there is something called the Health Travel Cost Scheme that allows certain patients to have support when it comes to their health transport costs. It's fairly limited, so GP practices are not included in that. It's mainly around hospital-based appointments, and it has to be at a separate time of when they've been referred. So say, for example, I wanted a patient, they needed help to get into that appointment. My understanding of the system is they can't actually be referred for support through the scheme and to their appointment at the same time. It has to be a pre-existing issue for them to have support for the costs and then it's reimbursement as well as my understanding as well not okay with it and that's why the recommendation suggests some changes interestingly how do you balance the cost of paying for that appointment and more importantly who does it because if that then defaults to the practices having to process all that administration around supports for cost to appointments gets really complicated then and it's workload we absolutely don't want to be doing because that's going to take away us from patient care even more so. And I can guarantee you we're not going to get any funding to support that workload. So then that is a challenge. But it is a recognisable issue. I've had certain patients where I've said to them, you need to go to hospital. Well, I don't have the money to go to hospital. Well, they're not appropriate for an ambulance because that's really more cost to everybody and system and, and impact on somebody potentially not getting an ambulance when they need it. So what do you do? You're a bit stuck then, aren't you? It's, it's an issue just... that we need to be aware of. Yeah, which I think speaks to an issue. Well, or... I think where Healthwatch might be coming from with this guidance is, um, yeah, they're not in a position to dictate policy. I think part of what they might be doing here is creating some waves, you know, and starting some discussions um, around points that they know will be controversial to make a point about the cost of living crisis and, you know, make the system and everybody within it think. Um, You know, there are all sorts of wider system impacts of what they're suggesting, in particular the the, the GP, you know, prescribing over-the-counter medicines, for example. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily ignorant of those, but I think they're just choosing to make a to make a point um mm-hmm. to the system and make people stand up and, and think, you know, to give to give some impact to their research. I think that's where they're coming from. The other thing that I was gonna say about uh prescriptions was um just highlighting that there have been schemes to help with this in the past, yeah. such as what locally was called pharmacy first, which enabled people in receipt of benefit and had other qualifying circumstances to go to their pharmacy and to get simple remedies like hay fever treatment, um, you know, amongst other things um, free of charge. You know, if they would be eligible for a free prescription, they were eligible to get that over-the-counter medicine free without a prescription and that was specifically put in place to um to prevent uh, and mitigate this issue of people going to their gp practices using appointment time to actually ask for um over-the-counter medicines uh to be prescribed so that they could avoid mm-hmm. you know or so they didn't have to pay for them it's not about avoidance it's about their ability you know to pay within their means so they didn't have to pay for them and they could still access them um and that's been taken away, you know, recently uh, yeah. within Nottingham. I'm sure it's gone in a lot of other places. So it just feels like we're moving backwards. And I think we need to be mindful when the system is making these decisions about the impact on both health inequalities and the suffering of people, uh, uh, you know, yeah. at risk within these low socioeconomic classes uh, or circumstances. And also the costs that these then have back on the system, which might exceed the cost of the, the original scheme in the first place. So these are all important things to consider. Uh, but yeah, I think Health Watch would 
we're making waves. It's a useful talking point, isn't it, Andy? And I, I think, you know, the other thing to reflect on, you talked about that a lot of the pharmacy first schemes, a lot of that was driven by various regional ICB and CCG decisions to cancel those because of the creation of the CPCS scheme. So the community pharmacy consultation scheme that was driven through from networks and stuff by government funding. The really interesting part of that whole scheme, though, was that although it supported the consultations to pharmacies instead of general practice to try and help the patient journeys and also tackle demand and stuff, the problem was the patient then still had to pay for the prescription. So for those areas of deprivation where patients would not normally pay for those prescriptions, then it became an even bigger problem because actually all they ended up doing was just going back to the GP practice to get that prescription that they were now told they needed to have as well. So counterproductive definitely feeds into this discussion that Health Watch, I think, are trying to proliferate and stuff and absolutely feeds into that concept of health inequalities and various other aspects of healthcare that really do need addressing because it's a growing problem that we are facing, seeing and experiencing both from practice perspectives, but absolutely from that patient experience point of view. Absolutely. So I guess that brings us to the end of the report. We've done a number of other videos and have another a number of other resources focused around inequalities and these issues, mm-hmm. which I'd encourage people to um, to check out. Um, and um, yeah, I guess people can walk away with that question in their head as you know as they mm-hmm. go back to practice the next day. Will they be choosing to prescribe over the counter medicines yeah. or not? Maybe we're sharing this video with your teams, particularly within your networks, particularly if you're looking at your health inequality plans within your network and that kind of stuff. And also, what does that mean for your practice discussions? What does that mean for your local area and stuff? Additionally, if you wanted more information on the digital aspects of stuff, well, as Andy mentioned, we covered this in a separate episode that's coming up right here that you can have a look at that talks about digital inclusion, digital literacy and other aspects and stuff and exclusion, obviously. And for as always, we'll be here to tech enhance your primary care and learning. We'll catch you in the next episode. Oh, hello there, EGP Learner. I'm Dr. Gandalf, and I often get asked, what kind of resources do you have to try and help those using EMIS? Because you tend to do a lot more stuff for System 1. And often I've really struggled to answer that question because, let's be honest, I don't use EMIS on a regular basis. So therefore, trying to help EMIS users is a little bit more difficult for myself. And that really made me feel, well, not great. So... I kind of did something to try and help all those EMIS users out there. I went and had a chat with one of my colleagues, Dr. Mike from GP on the Move, and him and I have created a course that you can use to help you use EMIS so much better. That's right. If you use EMIS, but you want to use it so much better, so much quicker, and in such a way that means you go home sooner, then check out our EMIS for Clinicians course. It's an online course that takes you through all the tips and tricks that Dr. Mike knows to try and basically mean you can go home quicker. That'd be a cool thing, wouldn't it? And guess what? It's currently on offer. So if you want to take advantage of this introductory offer and get access to it now, look at the links down below and check it out. Additionally, if you're a practice, network or wide area that wants more opportunity to use it, Send me an email, egplearning at gmail.com. Let's see if we can help you out. And as I like to say, tech enhance your primary care and learning. Shall we get back to it? Oh, and if you wanted one for System 1 users, well, you know I've got you covered, haven't I? Check out the Learn System 1 for Clinicians course, bit.ly slash tpp s1 course.